You're listening to the Ohio Conference Cast, where we explore topics related to the workings of Ohio Conference. Here are your hosts, Bill Seymour and Thomas Dunn. It's time for a commercial break. My name is Megan Sohar, and I want to draw your attention to the Ministry Development Team grants that are available to anyone in Ohio Conference. Every year, the Ministry Development Team awards grants to congregations that are doing missional work and need a little financial boost to get an idea off the ground. If you were at ACA in March or listened to our previous episode about the Wheelhouse, they were assisted by a Ministry Development Team grant last year. The grant deadline is August 6th, and the Ministry Development Team is planning to award $24,000 this year. Go to the Ohio Conference website and click on the Grant Program for Local Ministries link. And now, to the show. I'd like to welcome everybody to Ohio Conference Cast. This is Paula Snyder with Bill Seymour. Wait a minute. Paula, where's Thomas? I think we stuffed him in the trunk somewhere. Sweet. Yeah. Who, who did you bring with you today? Well, today we are in Chicago, and we are very pleased to have with us Sally Youngquist from Living Waters Fellowship. Christ, no, Living Waters Christian Community Church. Community Church. Sorry, I flubbed the name. <laughs> Let's say it together. Living Waters Community, Community Church. Church. There no, you go. Yes, Living Water. Oh, oh, wow. We are really bad. <laughs> Living Water Community Church. Okay. Sally... You have been here since the beginning. Yes. Could you, in 30 seconds, tell the story from beginning to uh, when people started moving in the neighborhood? Okay. We were a group of uh, people worshiping at Reba Place Church, and the Reba Place Church was getting too big, and they had to go to two services, and it was observed that uh, some of the people coming were already living in Chicago, and there was a vision to have a swarm of people from the mother church choose an urban neighborhood and be an intentional kind of replica of the church into another neighborhood. Okay, and that neighborhood is Rogers Park on the north end of Chicago. Right. Right. By swarm, I think I heard you say earlier today, 40 adults and 20 kids. Right, but... But that was after the incubation period of about eight years. When you decided to move out of Reba Place or that you felt God calling you to a new place, what was sort of that process in the in the incubation period? Can you tell us about that? Well, I held some informal gatherings at my apartment just to see who was interested, and we started getting to know each other. These were newcomers to the church that I didn't necessarily know. I was living in another neighborhood of Chicago at the time, Uptown, where a number of the Cambodian believers who were coming to our church were coming from. I would drive them to church. These other people were living in other parts of Chicago. But we did decide that we would become a small group of the church that was tested and approved by church leadership. And so we just took time to really compare visions, get to know one another, hear our backstories, and hear kind of things we were interested in and and being part of a new church or uh, an extension of the church in another neighborhood. So then we started studying neighborhoods. Where would God have us go? Some people had, you know, kind of championing certain locations. But some of the criteria that we used for looking uh, for where we would plant was not too far from the mother church, a place with diverse housing stock, both rental and uh, houses, a place that had economic and cultural diversity and racial diversity, a place near public transportation. We liked the thought of being near Lake Michigan, 
and also a place that wasn't overly churched. And so Rogers Park is what we landed on. It was about two miles from the mother church. And so after we had become a small group of the of Reba Place Church, people started from our group started moving into the neighborhood. And they just located around, not this intersection, but one uh, a couple blocks away. And so this became kind of the core of where we were looking for rental housing. So you say you're two miles, this location is about two miles from the Mother Church. Paula and I live in the country, and two miles is a stone's throw. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that would seem like in the neighborhood, but in a, in a city, that's different. It's a com- They're completely different municipalities. The right. Mother Church is in Evanston. This is the city of Chicago. Different schools, different police, yeah. different uh, gangs, right. you know, different right. ethnic groups, different economic levels. Yeah. Sure. In Paulus County, two miles is like two families. Yeah, something like <laughs> <laughs> and two farms. Yeah. All right, we're talking density here. <laughs> right, not, exactly. Not everybody even having a car. So right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling your story. We are at the Scent Conference. It's a Mennonite Mission Network conference for church planting. It will tell our listeners that Sally shared some of the story of the Living Water Community Church, which is where we're having the conference. One of the things that struck me, and I think it struck Paula, and it struck. Uh, Joel Shank and Jessica Schrock Ringenberg and Corbin Weaver Boshart, who all all of us here are from Ohio Conference, uh, that people started moving into the neighborhood, which is where you stopped the story a minute ago. Mm-hmm. One of the things that struck me as you shared your story, where you this is about where you stopped off a minute ago, was that people started moving into Rogers Park seven or eight years before you held a public worship service. Why so long? I was a cautious person, and we didn't all know exactly what we were doing, but also we got a lot of good experience in the Mother Church. It had gotten so big that it went to two services, and so we got a lot of experience. I joined the administrative team. I and others were part of the preaching team. Some of us became part of the music uh, leadership. Uh, one of our members was uh, administrator of the Sunday school so we started doing all the things we would need to do in our own church plant in the mother church and just got experience doing that. Also, we met weekly for a small group and monthly. We multiplied from one small group to three small groups because we kept attracting people from Chicago who are worshiping in right. Evanston at the mother church. So we built the core group numerically. We built it in terms of just trust and knowing one another we got experience. We started doing our own worship once a month to just see what that would be like to worship, to preach, to pray. We did a lot of prayer walking in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And also we wanted to become a part of the neighborhood and not like impose ourselves as a sort of foreign entity. We wanted to know neighbors. We wanted to be trusted. We wanted to understand issues, be part of the schools, be part of you know things going on. I started going to the neighborhood clergy meetings. We um, One of the first things we did when we lived here was we invited the new alderman over and asked him what his vision was for the neighborhood. And one of his staff people who I got to be friends with later, she said, that is the best community meeting I ever went to because it wasn't problem-centered. It wasn't putting out fires. It was a group of people who sincerely wanted to know What's your vision for the neighborhood? And so we developed a relationship with him, and his support was very important when we needed to get our building zone to be a church. So we just did a lot of that networking piece of, you know, being part and parcel of the neighborhood before we announced public worship. Hmm. That's so beautiful because it just really speaks of sort of patience 
and settling down in a place and really just trusting God's spirit to lead you. Right. And maturing. You know, yeah. we were w- mainly a group of young adults um, right. and not like senior leaders of the mother church. Did you ever feel anxious? I'm I'm just thinking, you know, in even in today's world, which isn't all that long removed from when you did this, if we wait more than two minutes in a drive-thru for <laughs> yeah. a coffee, you know, we start getting anxious. Right. At any point in that seven or eight years, did your core group start feeling, well, are we going to do something or are we just going to you know, hang out? Yeah, some people were would have been comfortable starting as a house church with like 12. And some right. people felt like that is way too small and I want something bigger that really feels more like a substantial church. Another challenge we had along the way is Reba Place Church was trying to take its own neighborhood racial diversity more seriously, called a black pastor onto the staff. And he was aware that we were wanting to plant a church. And he said, "Do if you want diversity in your church, do not start as an all-white group. You need to be diverse at the core if you're going to start a church that expects to grow in diversity. And so some of it was... Um, reaching out to people that we knew, African-American man who came in and became my co-pastor, Carl McKinney, was known to some people uh, in the church. He'd been part of a church here, but he was off at seminary in Asbury and was graduating and was really interested in the model of church we had and was interested in being part of a church that had team leadership. An Argentinian couple that started coming to the church, we got to know them and they became part of the group. We had this group of Cambodian folks who were coming in from Chicago, and we also were developing relationships with them, and they became a part of the church plant. So we really had much more diversity than if we had tried to start as a group of white folks and reach out to people who were different than us. I appreciate the wisdom of, if you want to be a diverse group, start with a diverse core leadership group. Could you explain uh, the reasoning behind that statement? Well, I think that we as a group were convinced that we wanted to look more like the world God made, and we didn't want to continue the segregated culture in which most uh, many of us had been raised. Right. But, um, yeah, how to cross those cultures. Um, so we needed to start with people that we already knew that were part of our church or that were potentially wanting to be part of our church, learning how to be with each other across these cultures and languages and build trust there. And then we would be much more likely to attract and build trust in others who might be from other racial and ethnic groups when we would start this new church. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we're, we don't do everything perfectly, but when you asked, well, why, why did you start when you did? Reba Place Church was starting to take racial issues and neighborhood evangelism more seriously. And at that point, we said, well, if that's the focus of the church in Evanston, it makes more sense for us to focus on that in Rogers Park where we're living. So we're going to be more intentional where we are and not be carried along to be doing that in Evanston. So, yeah. And it seems to me probably that then it's more authentic that you can cross those racial and cultural barriers more easily than if you say, here's a white group of white folks. Now other people come and join us. We have to be willing as European American people to kind of die to our cultural biases um, and so forth. And yeah, Yeah. and you have to put in the time to build credible relationships. So I'd been working with the Cambodian folks since um, 1984 as a seminary intern. 
And I just became like kind of an adopted big sister or mom to this one family. And Mm -hmm. the kids sat with me in church every week and I did stuff with them for their birthdays and holidays. So, I mean, I really built that relationship with that one Cambodian family, um, particularly. And they're they're still a part of this church, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like a four generation family. So, I mean, building cross-cultural relationships takes time, particularly Mm -hmm. when you're going across language barriers. So if we hadn't put in the hard work already with the core group, how did we think we were going to do it in a whole different neighborhood? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So tell us today, um, what are the different ethnic groups that make up this fellowship? Okay, so at Living Water Community Church, as I said, the, the Cambodian group came with us when we started in 1995. And then this became a neighborhood where a lot of refugee resettlement was going on. And so probably maybe 2007 or so, a lot of uh, Africans from East Africa were coming in uh, from Eritrea and from Congo and Rwanda and Burundi. And then a little later than that, uh, Bhutanese, Nepali-speaking people uh, were coming to this neighborhood. And by then we had uh, our own meeting house. We got to this meeting house in 2005. So we had a, a real place of welcome where there could be things going on like English classes and choir practices and things like that. Total access to a building, you know, mm-hmm. 24-7. But we also had a number of people that were working in refugee resettlement agencies and they were a conduit for inviting people to church. And so we were very well situated We didn't know that that's what God had in mind when we got this building, but we were in the right place at the right time to be a welcome to new people that landed in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And this has always been a neighborhood where new immigrants were welcome. There are a lot of social service agencies here and so forth. Part of planting a church is really being flexible, paying attention to what God (laughs) is doing versus then saying, this is my plan and God, please come along. Yeah, it really, we'd say, well, there was expectation sometimes that I should be this leader that's like Moses who goes up to the top of the mountain and gets the vision and tells it to the group. But it's really like, well, what is God doing around us? Our mission seems to be kids because we're located within a block of the elementary school and two blocks of the local public high school. But so it was kids and new immigrants, and that's really kind mm-hmm. of what most of our outreach has been. We have an after-school program for the kids, and we're able to get students from Loyola University with their work study to be tutors, and then these new immigrants and doing welcome because we'd already had that experience with the Cambodians, and they were happy to see other new immigrants be helped. So, yeah, it's just had a ripple effect. We we do have some other groups, too. We have some Spanish speakers, not a lot, but we have a person from Guatemala, a person who, MK, who grew up in Colombia. We have a man from Mexico who just joined. Uh, we have a man now from Venezuela in a uh, cross-cultural marriage. So we do pass the peace, and we do songs in a number of languages. Mm-hmm. You'll see that in worship tomorrow if you're sticking around. And in the restrooms, there are signs that say... Uh, <laughs> learn the living water language and then it has a number of common phrases in four or five different languages for people to learn while they're going to the bathroom mm. it's pretty interesting yeah i think it's cool yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. but i think you know for our people who are listening to this podcast are probably thinking well we're not city folk we're out here in the country but i think what you're really saying sally that i think really translates well to our small town and rural context is that We have to get to know the place Mm -hmm. where we're planted Mm -hmm. and to really pay attention to God's spirit and to be practicing 
patience. Patience, mm-hmm. patience, patience, patience. Which is farmers, we're good at that, <laughs> okay. right? You I would mean, think that yeah. farmers I would be the models of patience. They yeah. Are. yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Problem is, I'm not a farmer, so I'm not very right. patient. But you need to go, you go ride the tractor with <laughs> yeah, some, of your, so, yeah. some of your folks. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Sally, thank you very much for You're joining welcome. us. Uh, is is there any final word you want to say? Yeah, I think just pray about what God is stirring up in you. And if you're part of a group, see what gifts are in the group. I think that who we became is very much a reflection of the gifts of the people here. We had good musicians and music drew some people. We had people that were very good with children. And so they did children's outreach. We had a very uh, outgoing evangelistic mom who reached out to other moms. She would meet in the parks, you know, when her kids were playing and she invited them to a neighborhood moms group and they talked about issues that mom deal with. And some of them then became part of a neighborhood uh, women's Bible study. But the moms group wasn't ex- explicitly Christian. It was just, you know, people supporting each other in parenting. So, you know, just the gifts of the people in the church um, helped determine what we were equipped to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. Well, oh. thank you very much, Paula. Thank you for stepping in sure. to help out. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening to the Ohio Conference Cast. We would like to hear from you. You can email us at ohioconferencecast at gmail.com with any topics or questions you would like us to explore. 